uh, I love new series because it's always an opportunity for God to speak to us in a fresh way. And that's exactly what God's going to do today because we're in a series called Fresh Starts, Next Steps. And if you've been coming for a while, you know that this really isn't just the name of a series for us. This is a conviction at our church that no matter where you're at currently, God has more for you. No, no matter where you're at this moment, you can move forward. You don't have to stay stuck where you're at. No, no matter if you've messed up, you can begin again. We, we believe in this idea that there is always a next step that you can take and there is always a fresh start that you can make. And the good news is you don't have to do it alone. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you're new to following Jesus. Maybe you're just new to this church, but that's really our heart is we want to walk alongside you and help you in this process. So I want to unpack this idea of fresh starts and next steps and really use today's message as an introduction to this thought and to the series that we find all throughout Scripture. But I want to look primarily at Matthew chapter 21. And I'm excited to preach this message because not only is it a fresh series about fresh starts, but it is also a fresh scripture because I have never preached on this passage before. It's not necessarily going to be an unknown parable to you, but in Matthew chapter 1, we're looking at a parable that Jesus told to the Pharisees. And we're going to begin in verse 28. And he says this. What do you think about this? A man had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go to work in the vineyard today. His son replied, I don't want to. I think every parent has heard that sometimes. He um, said, I don't want to. Now, I, I have to stop. This isn't like just a request. Like, hey, would you mind doing this for me? my boy? This is, this is a father. This is Bible times. He's giving an instruction. The, the, the son, it, it's almost like cursing out his dad, like, forget you. Like, I've got better, who are you to tell me? So the son says, I don't want to, but later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the other son and he told him the same thing. And he replied, I will, sir, but he didn't go. So Jesus asked the Pharisees, he said, which of the two sons did what the father wanted? Well, the answer is obvious. The first one, they answered. So Jesus said to them, I can guarantee this truth. Tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. John, talking about John the Baptist, John came to you and he showed you the way that God wants you to live, but you didn't believe him. The tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even after you'd seen that, you didn't change your minds and believe in him. It's kind of crazy because I've always kind of thought of Jesus as this nice guy, this kind guy. But he just tells the Pharisees straight. It's like, look, the people that you think are bad people, the, the bad sinners, they're going to get into God's kingdom ahead of you. And I want to use this text today to talk to you about this subject that you don't have to stay where you started. You don't have to stay where you started. I want to pray. It's always my custom to pray before I get into the preaching of God's word. I know that I need help when I'm up here, and I believe you probably need God's help as well. So would you just bow your head with me before we get into God's word? God, thank you so much 
for helping me. I don't ever want to do this in my own ability or my own strength. I know I need your help. And God, I ask that you would use me and speak through me. You know what people are facing, dealing with, what they came in here with today. So God, speak to them. Speak through me. Let this be a word and a message that helps them exactly where they're at. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I want to start with a poll. I'm curious on this. And I'd love it if you'd participate and help me out. But uh, how many of you feel like you are crushing the start of the new year? Don't be embarrassed about it. Be honest about it. You feel like you are just slaying right now. Put your, we want to know who you, We want to celebrate you. Can we just give it up for these people who are crushing it? That's good. Okay. Now that's like 4% of the people in the room. How many of you would say that maybe your start to the year has been, we'll just say less than stellar. Less than stellar. Maybe you're not, not crushing it, not killing it. Notice my hand is up. If the person you're sitting next to you didn't raise their hand for either of those, just punch them right now. Say, <laughs> so you need to participate. I got to be honest, I feel like I'm preaching to myself in this series because I kind of like a do-over <laughs> in terms of the start to the year. I really would, and I'm not prophesying doom over 2022. I actually, I'm very stoked about this year. I think this is going to be the greatest year yet for our church. There's things that I'm personally excited about. I'm excited about what God is going to do through us. I'm excited what's going to happen in the kingdom, not just Chief's kingdom, but God's kingdom. <laughs> Talking, it's a lot of good things. And if you're part of this church, you need to know I'm praying for you, and I believe that this will be... And is your best year yet. I believe that with all my heart. That's how I'm praying for you and, and what I'm trusting God to do in your life. But if I'm honest with you, my year didn't start out that great. It didn't start out that great. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, maybe it was just the timing of certain events in my life. Maybe if I dig a little deeper, I could see that I would have benefited from a little more intentionality. Maybe there was a lack of discipline. Maybe... I just mismanaged some of my priorities. There's lots of things I could pick apart, but maybe that's why this passage was resonating with me this week. Because the power of this parable, and really my sermon in a sentence, is that where you start isn't where you have to stay. If you started poorly, <laughs> where you start isn't where you have to stay. Isn't that good news? That you can grow that you can get better, that you can move forward, that you can change course. This is a powerful truth. And I want to unpack this for us because this parable is not only powerful, it's also personal. And to understand why it's personal, I need to give you a little context because the only place you find this parable is in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, usually when we think about a parable of two sons, we don't think of this parable. We think of the parable of the prodigal sons. But this lesser known two son parable, it's only found in the Gospel of Matthew. And that's because Matthew, what it tells us is that Matthew had a special connection to what was said here that he thought was noteworthy that the other disciples missed. What could that be? Well, one thing that might be interesting to know about Matthew, Matthew, he was a Jew. He wrote his gospel primarily for Jews. He also was a Christian. He wrote his gospel primarily for Christians. His 
gospel is much like a theological handbook. It's considered, you know, the first one that many were based off of. And in this gospel, one thing that it might be interesting to know is that Matthew didn't start out as a follower of Jesus. Matthew started as a tax collector. A tax collector. You might not know what the significance of that is on the surface, but in New Testament times, the Romans, well, the Jews were under Roman occupation. And the way the Romans were able to expand their empire with all of their modern advances is through various taxes they would take over. They would tax the people. And the way they would tax the people, usually uh, this would be given to Roman soldiers. But sometimes the Roman soldiers would delegate this task to individuals. And so these individuals acting on the authority of the Roman government would go to people for these various taxes. And they could essentially set their own fee. They could take their cut. They had to collect the taxes, but they had to, you know, set their cut. What would happen often is they would force people to comply with threats of jail. And in the same time, they became a very hated group of people. It was just known that tax collectors were untrustworthy. Tax collectors were dishonest. Tax collectors were people who were always scheming and cheating and self-serving, sinful people trying to get ahead. They, they just were concerned about what was in it for them. And Matthew started in this group. Before he became a follower of Jesus, Matthew was one of these people known for cheating and scheming, being self-serving and sinful. And if Matthew can be, can go from being in the group that people thought of as too bad for God to use, to being one of Jesus' closest followers, then maybe there's something in this parable for you too. Now, there's a couple of fundamental things we need to know about this parable. First of all, parables, they, they have meaning. They're a story with a hidden meaning. They reveal truth. They also conceal truth. And if you don't understand parts of the parable, you won't understand the parable. The father in this parable is God. The vineyard in this parable is God's will. The sons in this parable is our response. Our response. There's two different sons, two different responses that we can make. And Jesus says that when the father came to his first son, he said, son, go to work in the vineyard today. The first son replied, I don't want to. Now, I don't know what it was that caused this first son to respond the way he did, but there's a part of me that wonders if maybe it was just the timing. Maybe it was bad timing. I bring that up because I've noticed this fact about human nature, that whenever we're given an instruction or even a request, that the most inconvenient time to do something is right now. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, if you're working on something and somebody says, hey, could you do this for me? Well, you're busy. And if you're resting and somebody says, hey, could you do this for me? Well, you're relaxing. Like, the most inconvenient time to do something is right now. Whatever the situation is, now is never a good time. But when God comes to you, when he gets your attention, when he gives you an instruction, when he speaks to you about his plan and his purpose, can I tell you the right time 
is right now. Maybe that's the word you needed to get out of church today. God has been dealing with you, speaking to you, prompting you about something. Can I tell you, the right time is right now. I don't know what things God might be saying to you, but if he's coming to you with an instruction, the right time is right now. I don't know if you noticed this, but the father, he said to his son, son, go to work in the vineyard today. Say today. That's an important distinction. It means if we're not careful, we can miss the things that God has for us simply because we never get around to it. And I've noticed this about ourselves. Like most of us, we, we live our lives with knowing God's plan for us, but we live as if God's plan for us is somewhere out in the future. Never right now. Like when I said, hey, this could be your best year yet. I believe this is going to be your best year. There's many of you who are like, yeah, I, I agree. I think that maybe eventually, but right now, we didn't have a good start to the year. <laughs> best year ever? I'm kind of, you know, I'm below average. I'm behind where I think I should be. But really, the heart of our church this season what I feel like God has given me for, for you, for our church, is that you don't have to wait for what God wants to do in you and through you. Little little context, uh, our church operates in seasons. All I mean by that is, you know, life operates in seasons. There's a change of seasons, and every season has a different focus. And for us, I, I try not just pray for what God wants to do in the year, but pray, what does God want to do in this season? And so we started, you know, we got that wall out there, and, and uh, hopefully, Maybe some of you didn't even notice. It changed from, you know, a couple weeks ago. And uh, that wall changes with every season. When I was praying, God, what do you have for us this season? I really felt the phrase he gave me for you is that everything he has for us is within reach. It's within reach. Meaning you don't have to, to wait for it. I'm not saying you don't have to stretch for it, but you don't have to wait for it. And it comes from this verse found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 where Moses is speaking to the Israelites before they go into the promised land. He says, this commandment that I'm commanding you today, it isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. Simply put, it's not for your future. It's for right now. The things I'm giving you, they are for right now. And I wonder if we often approach God's instructions much like the same attitude this son had, where I know I need community but I'll just wait until a better season. I, I know I should be using my gifts, but it's just not convenient for me right now. I know God wants me to be a light to the people around me, but honestly, I can barely hold myself together. I got to get some of my own stuff right before God can use me to help others. And it happens in so many different areas of our lives that our focus on a better future keeps us from bringing our best to the job we have right now, from honoring God with the finances we have right now, from being faithful and effective in the season that we're in right now. Instead of showing up to the opportunities that God has for us right now, we keep hitting the snooze button on our destiny because it's just easier to wait. And the problem with this approach is that we never get there 
because we miss what God has for us right here. Look, I, as much as anyone, look forward to the future. I am a futuristic thinker. It is my number one strength on strengths finders. It's futuristic. I'm always thinking about things down the road. But here's what I've learned just personally is that how can I trust God to watch over what's next if I'm putting off what I can do now? See, if I will prioritize my present, I can trust that God will be faithful with my future. If I will be about the things that he has called me to do in this moment, I don't have to worry about what's going to come next. If I will be obedient to the instruction that he has given me in this season, I don't have to try and figure out the next season. If I will recognize that today matters, if I will recognize that the right time is right now, that even if I messed up, it is not too late to change directions. If I will do that, God can take care of the rest. And I, I want to show you why, because this, this first son, he rebelled against his father and said, I won't. This was rebellion. This was defiance. And what I noticed is it doesn't say that the father was angry. It doesn't say that, you know, they got into an argument. It doesn't say that he disowned him. All it tells us is that the father moved on. I wonder if that's worse. That sometimes we could miss our opportunity because we think that it's off in the future. And then God just moves on. So after this first son doesn't respond the way he expects, he goes to the second son and he says the same thing. And the second son replied, I will, sir. But he didn't go. What's interesting is that this second son, he didn't just say yes. He was respectful. Where you got this other son that, that is almost insulting. The second son, he's, he, he's respectful. One son's defiant. The other one is is dignified, yet he doesn't go. And here's why. One thing you need to know is that good answers don't always lead to good actions. Good answers don't always lead to good actions. What do I mean? Knowing what you should do and doing it are two different things. You can answer right and still respond wrong. All of us have done this before. We call it good intentions. Have you ever noticed that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions? <laughs> I always judge myself by my intentions. You know, I, I meant to call that person. I meant to wish them a happy birthday. I meant to take out the trash. It was on my highest priority list. You know, I, I, I meant to say that thing, but we have an understanding. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but good intentions don't always bring good results. The son said the right thing, but he had nothing to show for it. And when you make a promise that you never perform, the Bible calls that being a hypocrite. Now, in Greek culture, that word hypocrite literally just means actor. And so... Actors, many times what they would do is they would wear different masks because they would have to play multiple characters. And when we try to project an image that doesn't line up with our character, what we're saying is this isn't who I really am, but this is 
who I'm pretending to be. It happens in so many different areas. It's, it's funny to me how many times we can say things we know are wrong with the best intentions. Like I'll give you an example. Like for me, whenever I buy some new clothes, I'm excited to show my wife. Like, hey, I got this outfit. What do you think? I'm thinking I might wear it for church on Sunday. This is a new jacket. Do you guys like this jacket? Yeah, so I will, you know, I'll show it to her. My wife, she'll buy new clothes. She'll put them in the closet for two months. And then she'll pull something out. And she'll say, hey, I was thinking about wearing this. What do you think? I said, is that new? I said, no, I've had it for months. Dishonest, but good intentions. Some of you are thinking, like, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. Lie to your husband. But here's the point I'm trying to make. What you say needs to match what you do. I, I tell our team this all the time. The audio has to match the video. Have you ever watched a video? The audio is not synced up. Church online. Anyways. <laughs> you ever seen that? It was so frustrating to me, like when we first, like all the pandemic and we had to just be online and I'd watch it and sometimes our stuff wouldn't be synced up. It's like, what is wrong with this? <laughs> the audio's got to match the video. It's the same thing in our lives. When we're saying something that doesn't correspond to what people see, it's a character issue. So what's said needs to match what's seen. If we're saying one thing but doing something else, we're... We're sending a message that's hard to follow. So here's the solution. Instead of being concerned about projecting your intentions, focus on protecting your integrity. Lots of us make the mistake of caring more about our intentions and our impressions than our integrity. I might not have followed through, but at least I know my heart. But good impressions are not the same as good intentions. You can have a good answer and a bad attitude. You can say the right thing, still have a wrong heart. And just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it is good. I noticed something about these two sons I want to point out to you. I don't know if you noticed it, but this man who had two sons, he went to the first. He said, go work in the vineyard today. Verse 29 says, don't want to, but later... He changed his mind and went. The father went to the other son, told him the same thing. He replied, I will, sir, but he didn't go. Do you notice what was different? The first one answered wrong, but later he changed his mind. The second son, he never changed his mind. He never had any intention of doing what the father asked him. He gave the right impression but he had the wrong intention. Right answer, wrong action. And this is what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. Hey, you've got all the right words down. You've got all the right responses rehearsed. But your actions are not lined up. You know, before we pick on the Pharisees too much, I have to like just check myself and wonder if I do the same thing. Sometimes we sing these songs in worship God, I give you my all, as long as it's just in an hour on Sunday. God, I want you to use me, but not so much I'm going to serve on a team. God, you're first in my life, as long as it's convenient. 
Don't understand. If it sounds like I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. Because I've been there too. That's why Matthew recorded this parable. Because he could relate to the response. He was one of the tax collectors that no one would associate with right living. And yet, what he shows us is that just like the first son, even if you started wrong, you can finish well. That's the word of the Lord for you today. Maybe this year didn't start the way you wanted, but even if you started wrong, you can finish well. You might have messed up, but you can get right. Just because you had a bad start doesn't mean it has to be your life story. Let, let me take it a little further. Just because your dad left you, just because your mom was an alcoholic, doesn't mean you have to be that way too. Just because you've had some failures doesn't mean that your life is destined to fail. Just because you're an addict doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Just because you were abused doesn't mean that your life is over. You don't have to stay where you started. And you might think, well, how can that happen? Well, the first son, he, he gives us a clue. We don't know what the catalyst was, but we know that something changed for him. In fact, the text says that he says he responded one day, but one way, but then he regretted it. You can look it up in different translations. The, the literal translation of this is that he repented. He repented. He says he changed his mind. That's that's what repentance is. It's not just a change of heart. It's not just a change of direction. It's change of mind. I almost called this message head start because I felt like I was behind. But if you want to start fresh, you, you got to get a head start. You, you got to have a change in your mind. You have to repent. And here's, here's the truth. You can restart if you will repent. I don't, know, I don't know what the thing you might be dealing with. I'm not just talking about sin issues. I, I mean the way you've thought about this year. I mean the way you've already approached the season. I mean the things that have gone on thinking, no, I'm already behind the eight ball. Why should I change now? I've, I'm already messed up. What difference does one more time make? I've already screwed this up. I might as well just keep going this direction. You can restart if you will repent. If, if you'll have a change of mind. That this year is a good year. That you are doing better than you think you are. That God loves you, that he sees you, that he's not surprised by your sin. That you didn't mess up so bad that you can't change. You might think, well, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's just not a good time. Can I tell you, the right time to repent is right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till you leave this room. Don't, don't wait till another season. Don't, don't wait till you can, you know, get things cleaned up through your own strategy and your own effort. The right time is right now. I'm not talking about church attendance where you've grown up and you know the story and you can quote the scripture and you're here on Sunday. I'm not talking about good answers. I'm talking about good actions.